All right, Inappropriate Earl. This is a back-to-back uh, episode, which I rarely uh, do because I like to let the episodes breathe a little bit. Yesterday, we had the great Ed Greer on, and Ed's awesome, longtime friend. Known him for like 15 years, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, today's guest is someone I don't know at all. I mean, literally... I've never been in a room with this guy outside of roast battle, and uh, I became obsessed with his uh, roast battle style because he seemed like he really just didn't give a shit if he won or lost. Yeah. But he put on a great show, and and like he took a lot of shots from the judges and from the wave and from me, and uh, he took it. Like a lot of people up there, they don't get the vibe of the show, and they get a little overwhelmed when you know someone like me who they don't know is shitting on them and and the judges and they kind of can be dickish about it this dude just takes it like a champ and he's <laughs> just got the best energy and uh i used to refer to him on the podcast as tommy stewart I, <laughs> I really i wasn't giving him shit i i really thought that was his name and then I think someone said, dude, that guy you're talking about, it's Johnny Stewart. <laughs> and I still would call him Tommy Stewart. So, guys, this is awkward energy in the room right now. <laughs> you're dealing with two guys who've never met. I mean, really, outside. We've never really talked in roast battle. You know, that's a show where you leave once you're done and whatever. And I'm still on the show. So put your hands together for Mr. Johnny Stewart. Oh, thank you, Earl. <laughs> I really uh, give me a case of the vapors over here. <laughs> I know. Don't say that. This is a medical marijuana uh, building. I'm, I'm just checking sound as we speak. Perfect. All right. I recently did a two-hour episode with Doug Fager. Oh, really? A legend uh, of he's a great comic. Yeah. Uh, and a roast battle uh, monster. And for some reason, it didn't record. Damn. And it was great. We talked about comics, dating, uh, roast battle, of course. And then uh, we had to do it over again. Uh, was the energy back on that second take? It was good. Yeah? It wasn't. It was. So uh, you had to do two two-hour podcasts with. Uh, well, he was nice enough to come back. Awesome. And uh, he's like, if everyone in L.A. comedy were like Doug Fager, it, it would be a, a better world. Because <laughs> uh, some people aren't. Um, yeah, yeah man there's a lot of like really weird energies people got man they get they bring their own shit into it and it's like weird well uh you know like i was uh, talking a little bit online last night with ralphie may who's like this huge comic uh you know you don't get Dude, he's any- like my comedy idol yeah <laughs> he's like half the reason to start doing this yeah i mean you don't get any bigger as a comic than ralphie and i mean that's not like a inside zinger <laughs> it's like he's makes millions doing what we do yeah for free and he's like the nicest guy always helping people out he really is too i, w- I was doing that uh kill tony podcast like two weeks into me doing my comedy you know career or whatever and uh one of the judges was ralphie may and his wife lana turner and i was like Oh my goodness, like the perfect 10 podcast is here. I was like all freaking hyped up. And I was like two weeks into comedy, so I didn't understand like pacing and stuff. And a lot of my bits are more sort of like long-winded, long form and stuff like that. And uh, my first joke didn't land. So then I immediately like, it was right when John Panette died. Remember that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was like the day after John Panette died or something like really, really soon. And then I was like, oh shit, that did, that bit didn't work. So I was like, all right, uh, John Panette just died. I guess next up is Ralphie May. And the crowd went silent, dude. There was a vacuum in that room. And 
Like he look, he just starts looking at me. He's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> but he's got a sense of humor. Yeah, but then it was like I told because uh, I it was the one minute you know the Kill Tony podcast, and then I got the kitty right before I was gonna hit the punchline, which was I can't even remember it so long ago. It was something to the effect of. Like the bookers are smart. They say if he keeps eating the way that he's eating, that his heart will give out in three years. And if he stops eating altogether, starvation will get him in six. <laughs> like it was a kind of cool bit, like a little bit, but I didn't get to finish the punchline. So it just kind of died at Ralphie's going to die from being fat. <laughs> it's like, fuck. Ralphie's going to outlive us all. Oh, yeah. That dude's pretty badass, man. And then like afterward, like he like they do the little interview on the Kill Tony thing. He's like, how long have you been doing this? It was like three weeks. He's like, dude, you should quit comedy, dude. <laughs> but then afterwards, I'm out in the parking lot and taking pictures with him and his wife and stuff. Who's Lana Turner is really fucking funny, too. They're the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah, yeah, they don't have to be. Uh, and mm. When was this? How many years ago? Oh, it's like two, three years ago. How did you get started into comedy? Uh, well, I had this house that I was renting out in Pomona and right up the street was Flappers Comedy Club. I'm oh, sorry about that. So I had, uh, Claremont, right? Yeah. Right there in Claremont. So then there was this, one of my favorite comedians, Ryan Singer. Have you ever met him? Oh, we've done uh, many a show back in the day. Dude's a great fucking guy. So I saw that he was at that spot and I was like, oh, cool. Me and my ex-wife, you know, we're going to go there and check him out. And then the opener was just fucking garbage, you know, and then. Uh, I don't I, believe that at Flappers. It was terrible. <laughs> it was exhaustingly bad. And then uh, the second, you know, the feature, I guess, was like um, Dave Waite, who's fucking awesome. Don't know him. And then uh, Ryan Singer came out and smacked it out of the park. Afterwards, I go up, get a signed CD from the guy. We're hanging out. And then I go back to Flappers. I'm like, you guys do like open mics or something? It was like Sunday. I just started making it happen. And uh, did you have like a style? You Like when I started out, I was really dirty, doing really hacky, dirty jokes because I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. What was your original style? When I first started out, it was more like uh, just, you know, the stories that you tell all the time. Like every, like every time you're at a party, you tell the same fucking stories. You just sort of get better at telling them. I just started telling those kind of stories and everybody was feeling it. And then afterwards, I was more talking about, you know, trying more relevant stuff and trying to push the boundaries of like political correctness. God damn, I hate that. Right. Because <laughs> uh, like, who are your favorite comics to uh, like, did you have like someone that you saw and said, I want to do comedy because of him or her. Yeah. When I was, uh, when I was a kid and stuff like that, I'd watch George Carlin. And then I sort of started getting more into like Doug Stanhope, Patrice O'Neill, you know, these really fucking like raunchy kind of dudes. And, uh, what got you into roast battle? Um, I can't remember. Like this, this whole roast battle thing just like popped up, and it became like this huge fucking craze. And everybody was like, "Johnny, you know, you should do the roast battle because we'll be in like a smoke circle, you know." And I just know how to roast a person on the spot. You know, I grew up in like black neighborhoods and stuff. I get, I play dominoes and shit. I just know how to snap back real quick. And everybody's like, you'd be fucking really great at that. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. If, if somebody challenges me, I'll go do it. And then Kate Stark and Joseph Thorne both like send Brian Moses an email like the same day. And I had to do back to back weeks of the fucking Rose battle. And I hadn't, I just didn't prepare and shit. It was just ridiculous. That's what I liked about you was like, you, you, there's another guy, Teddy Ray, a mm -hmm. great black comic. 
Oh yeah, he does that uh, that web series, uh, yeah. Teddy and Doughboy or something. He's awesome. Dude's great. <laughs> but he his roast battle style was more improv. Like, mm. He didn't really prepare, and I like that because it gets a good energy in the room. Yeah, like the the reason, like I, I'm not gonna say the reason I lost because both the people that I battled, you know, they're Kate Stark and Joseph Thorne. They're really fucking funny people. Some of my best friends too, but it was. Like you were saying, I was more into like, you know, they're bringing me out here for this show. I'm not going to try. I'm, I'm not really care about winning some little competition or whatever. It's just it's the show. I want to sell the show. I'm the comedian. I'm on stage. I'm supposed to entertain people. Like Joseph Thorne started out, he he like, oh, why'd you want to battle Johnny? He's like, he's the best friend that food stamps can buy. And then I just go into my wallet and I pull out my EBT card and give it to Brian Moses and he's showing everybody like, this motherfucker really got food stamps. <laughs> it, that's what I liked about you. You got like the, uh, you know, the vibe of the show is to have fun and like, you yeah. know, every, we're all the same up there, whether you're Russell Peters or you or me, like that's what I love about roast battles. When you walk up those stairs, everyone's on the same level. Mm -hmm. Everyone can be taken down, you know, uh, two weeks ago, this black comic with tattoos. He's super funny. Mm. He got me good. Like, you know, nice. Yeah. I had no comeback and like, it was great. And then I've seen, you know, like people go after Jeff Ross and it's great. Mm. And like, you know, it's, it's, I think what attracts me to the show is that no one is safe up there. Right. It's all about, it's like the only spot in LA where it's like completely meritocracy. It's like, yeah. is your, is your bits funnier than his bits? Yeah. You got better like, jokes than him. You know, uh, we've had open micers go after Tony Hinchcliffe and, and shit. <laughs> but it's great though. Like Tony takes it. Like yeah. Tony can give it. Obviously. But it's absolutely the wrong person to go after. <laughs> but sometimes it works. Like uh, you know, they get into a nice little back and forth and the room gets buzzing and mm. you know, has being on roast battle kind of like one of the younger uh like uh, people to watch on the show, has that helped you get more comedy gigs? Mm, not really, to be honest. I think it was probably because I went 0-2. And, and when I went there, I wasn't even really so much concerned with, you know, trying to, you know, introduce myself to the right people or whatever. I just, I like to go out there, have fun, hang out with my friends, you know, because, like, we're going to battle each other afterwards. We'll have a beer and talk about the match and stuff. And I don't know. I'm trying to get better at networking. <laughs> That's the number one thing. It's yeah. like, it's who you know. It's... Mm. There's a lot of my funny friends you'll never see on a show because they don't either have the social skills or whatever to uh, ask the right people and schmooze. And, mm. you know, you see it on TV shows, a lot of TV shows. It's like, how did that person get on this? Like, <laughs> right. I just did a mic with them and they couldn't follow me. Mm. Or, you know, they couldn't follow this person and that person's not on TV. So. Right. Couldn't follow me. Was that a bit of a Freudian slip there, Ed? <laughs> well, I mean, little... I'm easy to follow, to be mm. honest with you. Like, I'm low energy. Like, I, I don't move around a lot. So, you know, if you have a pulse, you're going to seem energetic right. after me. So I love that house racist bit, dude. That is like, the, like, that's the funniest part of Roast Battle to me is you just come up and snap them so hard with that shit is great. Oh, I mean, you know, it. I mean, it's fun and it's uh, mostly improv because mm. I don't know what's going to happen up there. You can't really write jokes. Like if you're battling, uh, you know, Doug Fager, let's say, I don't know what you guys are going to say about each other. So I have to sit there and listen and go, okay, uh, he's going to call Johnny uh, a hot topic, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I got to, you know, 
So, and I don't know. Stay in the moment because if you try to figure out some stuff beforehand, you'll plug it in. It ain't gonna. Yeah. Gonna so, flow. but it's dangerous to do in the moment in the belly room at roast battle because mm. uh, that room wants blood. And yeah. uh, you know, I bomb a lot. You know, but uh, hopefully, it's like yeah. whatever. I, I'm gonna tell another joke in about 30 seconds. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it don't I even think, matter. That's how you have to be up there. You have to like throw as many out there as you can, and mm. without interrupting the battle, which I don't want to do. Right. Um, you know, it's because at the end of the day, it's about the battle. It's mm. not about me. It's not about the wave. Or the Have job. you had any battles that you did that you were like very, you know, kind of maybe a loss or something that you had that you felt really bad about? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my I've only lost twice, both times to women. Mm. Um, I uh, Women get a lot of love in that room, man. Yeah. Well, it, you know, like the first loss was to Whitney Rice, who... Mm. Uh, uh, it was beautiful and she's super talented so you know i'm shitting on her looks and she's like uh you know and we were dating at the time so in, so the room was buzzing because of that i don't think we i don't think they'd ever had a couple battle each other oh that must have been interesting um uh, it's definitely an interesting vibe uh i've battled two girlfriends uh, mm. lost them both like a month later uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I battled Olivia at Riot, LA Riot. And uh-huh. It was an awesome battle. Nice. Uh, but uh, looking back, especially on that one, um, I wish we didn't battle because I think it just caused problems. But, uh, <laughs> she's awesome. Like, she's got. Did you guys get too real? Like, it was like, I hate how you leave your toothpaste in the sink. <laughs> it was like uh, she had a couple really great zingers about me like and i'm i'm not as much of a writer as she is but she was mm-hmm. like yeah i love putting my head down on earl's chest he's such a hollow shell of a man i can <laughs> hear the ocean and i'm like well uh olivia your breath is so bad it smells like you brush your teeth with your pussy and just mm-hmm. like and she doesn't have bad breath but you know you yeah. gotta like gotta make a bit yeah and yeah. then uh so that that's probably one battle i wish i could take back and not do mm. uh and then against sarah tiana in montreal i i was uh i was intimidated by her being friends with sarah silverman who was judging oh shit so i didn't go as hard as i should have and mm. uh tiana uh, seized on the moment and like mm. <laughs> it's like a boxer just doing jabs and the other boxers like fucking haymakers <laughs> uh, so uh you think maybe you would uh rematch any of these people you know like you get a little revenge or something I don't think Whitney would do the battle again because she doesn't care. You know, I mean, uh, she's more of an actress and she's mm-hmm. kind of, uh, she used to do the house races with me. Ah. And she was great at it. Um, you know, with Tiana, I'd like a rematch. Uh, just, okay. I'm a competitive person. Uh, and uh, see if what happens when I got one of my friends as a judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, she beat me, you know, but I was. Uh, they're holding back. I know on the, uh, I think it was the James Franco roast where Sarah Silverman was a roaster. Um, a lot of the comics hit her on age and body jokes. And she's beautiful mm. and she's not old, but right. it is roast battle. So you do have to. She like, got her start on the Kill Tony too. That, that was really, really yeah. cool. So, you know, you can't really. Um, Chick hustles. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, and Sarah Tiana's not old, uh, you know, but I was like, well, Sarah Silverman's not going to like it if, mm. if I do an age joke. And so I did like a clever abortion joke in the beginning. And I still love the joke, but it, 
did well, it didn't kill. Mm-hmm. And all of Tiana's jokes killed. So you just want to bring it back and just, just kill it? Um, you know, and I love her. Like, I have, uh, she's my comedy crush. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when she beat me in Montreal, we had this thing, uh, win or lose, who, no matter who won or lost, we were going to make out. And, nice. Uh, <laughs> so I got to make win, out win. with her on TV. Uh, oh, fuck. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, I was bummed out because I lost. Mm-hmm. And then I had to battle... Uh, K. Trevor Wilson. Eight Seem like you take your laws as well, though. Are you like a big revenge guy, or what's going on with that? Um. Uh. Uh. In real life, I'm a big revenge guy. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh. But I like to do it in subtle ways. You know, the people I do Ooh. it to will never know I did it. Ooh, pray tell. You know, I just like. Um, you know, like I, I told this uh, with to Ed Greer yesterday. Uh, like when I play hockey and. Mm. Someone slashes me uh, 10 years ago, I'd slash them back right away. Right. And hit them. Yeah. I would do what they did to me, and then I'd throw in an extra shot mm. just to go, you don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. And and uh, then it makes them stop. It's like, you right. know, if I hit you with this stick, right. you you know you're going to get one back. I'm I used to be an enforcer in street hockey when I was a kid. Too, right. So. so you get yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And that's... Uh, but now, since I don't know if it's I'm a little older... Uh, I like to, uh, I'm more about mental warfare. Mm. Like uh, if someone slashes me, I won't slash them back for three or four games. Yeah. Keep your friends close, yeah. enemies closer. And then they think they're off the hook and then I slash them. Mm. And then they're like, what the fuck was that for, Earl? <laughs> Remember four games ago? Yeah. Uh, so and it's the same thing in a comedy, you know, for people who've wronged me. Uh, yeah. Have you had anybody wrong you recently or? Um. You know, I don't want to mention names and stuff, you know. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's just say the wheels of justice turn. And, uh, you know, it's, you know. I'm going to have to listen to some more episodes of your podcast. I really want to hear how this non-story develops. Well, <laughs> I don't like to mention names because uh, people aren't here to defend themselves. Right. Uh, definitely. And, uh, you know, some people I will never have on the couch to defend themselves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 170 episodes in, if you haven't been on the podcast, you should probably take the hint. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I shouldn't be this way, but, uh, it's hard. Cause when I was growing up, I was very, um, I grew up in a lot of rough neighborhoods and stuff like that. Just like, and it was, um, like Southern California my whole life pretty much. And out here, I don't really know what all this like racism talk is about, but when I was growing up, I was like one of three white kids in the whole school. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like what neighborhood was that? Uh, Baldwin park. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I'd hang out in El Monte a lot with like, you know, Mexican and black people and stuff like that. Cause they just threw way better parties. <laughs> and, uh, it was really hard. Like, you know, kind of growing up as this like skinny little white kid, you know, trying to like sit out there and defend myself with my fists and stuff. And, you know, it, it got a lot of, it got a lot of violence in my heart. Nowadays I'm a pacifist, you know, I just, I wear this jean vest just because it's, it's better than a knife. You know? I love it. <laughs> yeah. I- you I mean, wear a jean vest and a scary face on your shirt. People don't generally want to fuck with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you got, you got. That's what um, I don't want to say attracted, but that's what drew me in to you at first was your outfit. I was like, this guy looks like like a hardcore member of Weezer. Like, <laughs> you know, you had pretty much the same outfit on. You got the big wallet chain. You got the yeah. uh, the Joker hat on. You know, with the uh, 
lit up and like like this guy's interesting <laughs> i just find cool things you got the fingerless like, gloves yeah on. i'm like i want to wear these these are awesome but I, like i can keep my hands warm and still use my cell phone <laughs> um now what neighborhood do you live in now uh baldwin park i'm, I'm actually back there staying with my folks now because uh i got divorced about a year ago so it's been i'm back there now um how how old are you 25 and you got married at what uh 18 but oh, that's a pretty long marriage for... Uh, yeah. No, uh, it was... Uh, we were together nine years and three months. And the only reason I remember that is because if it was nine years and six months, I'd have had to start paying alimony. Luckily, my ex-wife's impatient and dumb. <laughs> it's like... So I take it there's no chance for a reunion. Oh, God, no. Oh, she's she's t- she cheated on me like nine times through the course of our relationship, and I never stepped out of line once. And she, when we got divorced, she like stole six thousand dollars from me, and she had like filed a temporary restraining order saying that I was monitoring her whereabouts and touch her in her sleep or something. Couldn't see my kid for three weeks. Like, I'm single now. That is absolutely not the person that I want to ask out. You know right? I mean? No, I hear you. I mean, you know. Uh Cheating is like my one, mm. you know, I can put up with a lot, uh, you know, because I haven't been an angel my whole life, uh, mm. but that's like the only thing that I, um, nobody's an angel won't tolerate. Like now, like nowadays I'm just happy that I'm a pacifist. It's like the only thing that I'm like holding on to at this point is just like, I won't throw a fist. That's why I messed up my knee on the skateboard because I'm like, eh, that's better than fighting. <laughs> like go out there and let your energy out on that concrete. Well, you get sued. Like, yeah, if, like that's, uh, I mean, I can't say at the comedy store I've ever wanted to hit anyone, but, uh, you know, I don't want to get banned. There might mm. be one person, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but like, even if I beat the shit out of him in front of everyone, which I would probably want to do just to embarrass them. Mm. Uh, it's like there's cameras all around. I could get sued because, you know. It's not It's not even really worth it. Yeah, it's really not. It doesn't start. Like, let's say that, you know, I don't, nobody's really ever gotten the better of me. Not in like a one-on-one fight. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty comfortable with three. And then four is kind of where I get a little, might lose this one. <laughs> but, uh, like, yeah, I just... It, what if somebody does get the better of me and I lose, you know, like my break my nose or something like that? Or what if that guy has a knife? Or what if I do get sued? What's that going to do with my custody shit? You know, it's just not worth it to throw hands unless, you know, you're playing a game where throwing hands is an acceptable practice. Right. Well, I mean, I have a temper. Not anymore, but like when I get going, I get going. Mm. And like, and I'm, I'm not that strong, really, gym-wise. I'm not... I can't bench press like a thousand pounds. But How often I, do you go to the gym? Every day. Nice. Gym is my on? Prozac. Uh, but now I only do cardio because about two years ago, I broke my hand. Um, Ooh. It's probably the last violent thing I've ever done. Um, there was a gentleman okay. who, uh, you know, he did something he shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, you may or may not have done something you shouldn't have done. Well, this goes to my passive aggressive, uh, revenge style i didn't want to hit him because mm-hmm. i didn't want to get sued um oh but if you could go to him into hitting you no 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 then i would hit him back so what i did was i knew where he was mm-hmm. he's a frequent alcoholic and cocaine abuser Fuck. so uh it's good to uh know those things because you know where people hang out mm-hmm. and i went into this place one night and uh i went right into the middle of the room I 
tapped him on the shoulder. I said, I hope what you did was worth it because I'm going to fucking kill you one day. <laughs> and I hit the steel door behind him, broke three bones in my hand, didn't even feel it at the time. Mm. Uh, I got, and the look on his face was worth every broken bone in my hand. Damn. Because he was shitting in his pants. He just changed, just changed his mind on the spot. And what I wanted to accomplish was that. And every night he's at this place, Every time those doors open, is it going to be Earl? <laughs> and, uh, the last time I even sort of got into an altercation with anybody, I was doing karaoke at this bar in Whittier. And um, there was this guy, I was, I was talking with this girl, and then this guy came up and he was like, oh, hey, you know, like, what are you talking to my lady for? I was like, dude, I didn't see you. Like, you know, whatever. I started to walk away. And then he starts pushing me and stuff. I was like, dude, don't push me. He's like, you want to go talk outside? I was like, okay, let's go talk outside. <laughs> and then he goes out there and he's like pushing me. And I, I just made it clear to myself that I was a pacifist and that I was going to not get into physical altercations. And um, this guy comes and he pushes me. I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to fight you. He pushed me again. I'm like, I'm not going to run either. And then he like decks me in the face and I go down to the floor and I hit hard. I get like back of the head. I'm kind of spinning for a second. He gets on me and starts like cracking me. But what he don't understand is I'm a bit of a masochist. So like pleasure and pain is kind of a gray area in my head. So he's punching me and I'm like kind of getting turned on. <laughs> and I'm what over here fuck? laughing. Yeah, I'm over here laughing because he just like I'm on the floor and he's on top of me just boom. <laughs> And I just start bleeding like out of my mouth and stuff. And he had like this white button up shirt. And he was like, if you had enough? And I just spit blood on his shirt. I'm like, fuck you, motherfucker. And I look over at his lady and I wink at her. Because <laughs> you seem like the type of guy, it, not knowing you, but just the vibe mm -hmm. I'm picking up uh, of you won't stop. Like you could be I getting definitely used to be. 10 shots to the face and you're still going to keep coming. My, uh, my, my buddy, when I was about 18, 19 or something like that said, dude, it's like you got fight or flight all the time, but you just have no flight in you. And I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I saw you got hit in the chest with a baseball bat and your wind was knocked out of you. And usually when you get the wind knocked out of you, you kind of hunch over and try to like, you know, figure it out and get your wind back. But he's just like, you just took deep gasps and then lunged at the motherfucker like over and over again but yeah i mean i it's if i don't do that then it just it won't end i'll black out and then wake up and bad shit happened and only way to stop that from happening is not engaging yeah well now that you have a kid and stuff you, it's not worth it you don't want to you know uh, any kind of legal uh problems and stuff i mean do you get to uh you split custody or like what yeah she's got physical custody right now but i get to see her every other weekend that's cool yeah it's unsupervised it's all straight because got no record you know not doing drugs or anything so it's fine right right yeah yeah say no no to drugs guys exactly except maybe the occasional medical marijuana but other than that it's, i'm just completely i don't even drink anymore to be honest like i'll have one or two because sometimes shows or mics will make you buy one or two right but most of the time i get like a soda or water for let me get away with it i'm looking at your uh 20 ounce red bull right now i quit <laughs> yeah. energy drinks cold turkey I used to drink about three or four of these a day. Me too. 
And it was like, cause I don't know, I, I was, I was working two, three jobs, you know, I was taking my ex-wife to and from school and shit. And it was just what I needed to get through the day. And, you know, Saturday I have off, so I'll sleep then pretty much. What do you do? Uh, right now I drive for Uber and, you know, a little bit of comedy money on the side here and there. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I used to drink at least three or four a day and then vomit. It's definitely not good for you. I mean, you know, my theory, I've never had a drug or drink in my life. So my theory was if that's the worst thing I'm putting in my body, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then I started getting really hooked because at the comedy store late night, uh, you know, there's uh, three bars now that they're all making the vodka Red Bulls, but they leave the unused Red Bull cans out there. Mm-hmm. So you just walk by, take it. It's like it's shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, for all your listeners, vodka and Red Bull is absolutely the worst thing you can do to your liver. That combination of drink is literally like acid. To your, if, if you're drinking vodka Red Bull, for the love of God, stop drinking vodka Red Bull. Just drink whiskey like a man. Well, that's, uh, you know, I used to be friends with Lemmy from Motorhead and uh, mm-hmm. he, toward the end of his life, in a health move, at least in his mind, went from uh, vodka to whiskey. Uh, <laughs> I am just in shock that you just said you used to hang out with Lemmy from Motorhead. <laughs> like it's, well, it's, kind of, it's like, I, I'm still processing that bit. I wouldn't say hang out. I mean, uh, my, my ex-girlfriend, uh, mm. uh, who's awesome, you know, we had a bit of a rough breakup but we're cool now uh she manages co-manages motorhead mm-hmm. so um they uh in lemmy used to live right down the street damn and i've lived here for like a long time so they would always have me go over there check up on him and uh get his mail and stuff and uh, sometimes i'd have to take him to the dentist Fuck. And, uh, still though did you have any like cool stories or anything that he was sharing on the way to the dentist probably the coolest story was uh i picked him up once at nine in the morning mm. which is an ungodly hour for me yeah i think uh, i would I told imagine him. it'd be an ungodly hour for lemmy like yeah the, was he still awake or was he waking up he was uh probably b- uh a little bit of both uh, yeah. if that makes any sense no but, that makes complete sense to me <laughs> and uh, i pick him up and he's like hey can we stop off at gill turner's which is probably the most famous liquor store on sunset it's uh for for you locals it's on doheny and sunset mm. and uh i mean everyone went there back in the day uh you know brat bon jovi poison cinderella you know uh metallica megadeth that's the liquor store they would go to Fuck. and uh so I, I drop him off he comes out with two of the biggest beer cans i've ever seen in my life <laughs> uh, they, they were they, it wasn't fosters but it was like like the size of that big Foster's larder. And uh, he opens up his, and I'm like, I didn't say this to him because it's Lemmy, but it's like, dude, it's like an unopened container. Like, And then he gives me a beer and I'm like, oh, dude, I don't drink. I never had a drop. He's like, well, you should start. (laughs) uh, I think by the time we got to the dentist's office, he had polished off both beers. Fucking A. Because he had a long, you know, he had, uh, well, I don't want to get into his medical history, but he had some uh, dental uh, problems so uh i think the beer is something the edge yeah. off and uh he was actually awesome. really gotten better at these red bulls too this is like the only one i've drank in this whole week i'm like reading this can it's got 26 grams of sugar per that's well that's like not 60 that. that's like 65 grams of sugar in this can yeah because you got the 20 ounce or uh you know i mean jesus but i used to drink jolt cola which was like four times oh, the caffeine fuck. yeah plus the sugar 
and whatever other shit they I had. And then Jolt. I think they remember that. <laughs> yeah, like dude. it was insane. And then you remember, had, oh, you don't drink. You don't remember Four Locos. God damn, that was a weird time to be alive. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, I I've been around booze my whole life. So mm. even though I don't drink, I and I've seen enough cocaine and weed and mm. uh, you know doing comedy for sixteen years. You you're in it. Yeah, you so, meet a lot of interesting people, find yourself in a lot of interesting situations. Oh, I've been to gangbangs. I've been to, you know, just parties where I had to leave because I felt mm -hmm. uncomfortable with what I was seeing, like, you know, underage girls. And I'm like, guys, I got to go. <sighs> yeah, fuck. I, I'm so fucking tired of that. I was just at a party the other day and I was talking to this girl. And then I was like, oh, where do you go to school? She was like, oh, Orange County. And then I was like, oh, what's your major? And she was like, I'm actually in high school. I was like, it was very nice to meet yeah. you, young lady. I am going to be on the other side of the party, smoking a cigarette and reflecting on my decisions. <laughs> like, I am in a party and there are high school kids here. I got the fuck out quick. It was ridiculous. Well, I mean, I'm a, a, as horny of a guy as you'll ever meet, mm. JS. And yeah. uh, But uh, underage, I, I've never done, never come close to it. Uh, it's just it's fucking rape you know it's ridiculous I mean, but i mean it's it's the legal definition of mm. rape if you're under 18 so i just really i just had recently had the epiphany that i was molested as a kid and i didn't even think of that because i lost my virginity when i was 11 to this girl that i won in a dominoes game and then she was like 19 and for the love of god dude i gotta tell you she was very very gentle very informative 11 yeah I was at a party in El Monte and uh, we were playing dominoes and I was like on a pretty good one. And I, I had guess. like, the, yeah, I had domino like three times. And then this guy was like, if you win this next hand, you know, I'm going to have the girl, you know, show you what's up. So I won the next hand. We, I went in the room and she was very, very informative. <laughs> she knew how young you were? Yeah. It's but it was like, girl. well, because everybody knew how young I was at that party, pretty much. I was like the only underage white boy that was hanging out in the black neighborhood parties. Jesus. And then I had, I had another time where I, when I was in high school, I fucked a teacher. And it's like, dude, all of that shit just throw. That's why I'm a sex addict now. It just threw off my whole fucking compass. Uh, well, uh, I, I mean, good for you, I guess. I mean, yeah. Like 11 year olds aren't like old enough to deal with that shit. It's fucking, it's weird, but... Like, I don't know. I've been out like for the last year. I pretty much just been spending all my money on like weed and hotel rooms and stuff, like just hanging out because I just got out of like a 10 year breakup. So I'm just relaxing, living off the savings a little. But then, um, yeah, like I just had my first four way recently, which was great. And then, uh, but, uh, one was it, what's the numbers? I mean, like, no, me, two guys, and three two girls. Girls. me and three girls. Oh, okay. There was this girl, uh, her name is Sandy. I was, she, she's like a photographer and she's a great girl. She's about a six, but she can hold a conversation. So, you know, she's just a really good phone number to have. And then she's over here. Hey, Johnny, I'm uh, doing this like photo shoot thing for the suicide girls. And okay. that sounds like right up your alley. You, know, you want to come down? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. So then I get there and they're like in their panties and they're like, you know, taking stills. And I'm just like, I'll be over here with a beer and a cigarette if anybody needs me. And I just like kind of hang back. And then Sandy was like, oh, hey, girls, you know, my buddy Johnny here has got a big dick. You guys, what are you guys going to do about it? And then they fucking, they wanted to take pictures of me, but I was like, I got a kid and stuff. I don't really want like 
pictures of me out there like right. that. So I was like, just like face down. But then I got my daughter's name, my ex-wife's name tattooed on my chest. I was like, actually, if you guys can go more from the belly button down, that'd be better. And then me and them are like playing around and stuff like that. And they're like blowing me and all. And then Sandy comes over and she's like, all right. She puts the camera down and is like, it's time to show these bitches how it's done. She takes off her shirt and she's got like leather fucking underwear on. And yeah, it was it was awesome. <laughs> but I was out till like five in the morning that night. And then I had to go to a fucking divorce court the next day. And it was like, oh, dude, you got to stop staying out till fucking five in the morning. Yeah. Getting into this crazy shit. Having four ways. Yeah. Fuck. And how did the divorce court go that morning? Really good. I bet. Because my buddy uh, Kyle Gridley... His, his mom is like a divorce attorney. And when that shit went down, I just talked with her for like two weeks straight and she gave me a bunch of advice. I had a bunch of declarations and, you know, I got visitation with nothing like a, my child support is like 125 a month. Like, I fuck, oh, I worked that system hard, dude. Fuck yeah. I'll do whatever it takes. Now, how often do you have to speak to your ex? <sighs> um, well, because the thing is when we were married, I bought a car. It's like a 2013 Ford Fiesta or something like that. Yeah, it's actually exactly a 2013 Ford Fiesta. But um, she didn't have a car, you know, like to her name. I bought it on my credit with my money and stuff like that. But that's my daughter and she's living out in fucking Rialto. And I'm over here thinking, well, how is my daughter going to get to and from school? So now I pretty much gave her over the car, but she doesn't have the credit to put it in her name. So she has to like every month I have to talk to her about you know, okay. give me my money. But other than that, I changed her name to Vicky on my phone because I don't even call unless it's about the daughter. Well, I got you. Breakups are tough, man. Mm. You know, I've never been married, but I've gone through. Oh, fucking stay with it. So, <laughs> Any listeners, don't get married. If you're married, get divorced. It's amazing. Gone, <laughs> gone through several tough breakups. It's not it never gets easier. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you just got to soldier on, I guess. And, mm. Have you had any uh, recent breakups or anything like that? Uh, yes. That you can disclose? Um, well, uh, I have. Uh, it's not fun, but uh, I, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I have. And uh, <laughs> it's been a tough one, but uh, just try and. Uh, it's easier after a year and about 50 random sex partners. You start to feel better. Uh, you know, you do, but you don't. I mean, the, 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 uh, I mean, I get what you're saying and, you know, I'm doing my thing, mm. but, uh, you know, when you actually like the person, like it's a little harder to, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think that was probably why it was easier for me to cut ties with the ex-wife because she had the, uh, she filed for divorce and had the restraining order and stole a bunch of money from me. We had to sell the house and stuff. It was like. I was just, after all that crap, I don't want to see her ever again unless it has to do with my daughter. No, I got you. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on, uh, you know, the how it ended. I mean, I guess no breakup ends well. Right. <laughs> she wouldn't be breaking up. Uh, but, uh, you know, the ones where there was, uh, you know, a little more bitterness, it was easier for me. Yeah. But with, uh, I don't want to. I mean, for people who listen, they know, uh, <laughs> but, uh, for, uh, maybe a more recent one, it was, uh, the, uh, I think a savable situation, but, uh, you know, some misunderstandings and, and whatnot. So those are tougher for me. Cause it's like, uh, I'm a very, uh, 
I'm a very simple person. Like, mm. I don't uh, try and uh, have complexity and stuff like that. So I'm like, well, let's just work it out. Let's just, here's what happened. If you, if, if you think this happened, here's what happened and let's just work through it. Uh, yeah. You seem like if there weren't a bunch of people listening right now that you'd be a little bit more like less reserved. You know what I mean? You seem very, like a very direct person. Your house yeah. is very well kept. Well, I'm very, uh, I, I'm a Virgo and I, I don't really believe in the metaphysical stuff that much, but you know, they do say Virgos are, uh, you know, like neat freaks and, mm. you know, I mean, I guess if someone met me doing the house races at roast battle, they wouldn't think I would have like a nice, you know, they probably think it'd be like anarchy stickers all mm. over my room and like, you know, motorhead shirts, which I have a fair amount of, but, uh, <laughs> but they're hanging in hangers in the closet. Absolutely. Like perfect. an adult. Alpha, <laughs> like, you know, alphabet. I, every concert I go to, I buy at least one t-shirt. It's the only place I buy t-shirts. Yeah. It's concerts and swap meets. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, I love vintage like that shirt you have on Iron Maiden. Yeah, Eddie. Killers. You can't. It's uh, one of the most important albums ever. Yeah. You can't. Even though I'm not like a huge Maiden fan, I, when I saw them in concert, it was like, wow, this is like visually like. Those dudes get down. This, Yeah. For older guys, you know, they got to be. I mean, Bruce Dickinson has to be close to 60 and mm. uh, Harris has to be pretty close to that. Uh, yeah. They're all pushing retirement. I mean, Adrian Smith is he's probably the youngest guy in the band. And, uh, Have you ever been to the Santa Fe Spring Swap Meet? I have not. I know where it is because when I play hockey in Garden Grove, I drive by it. Because mm. uh, they have like these like tribute bands and stuff like that. It's a dollar to get in, but then like Saturday you'll have Damage Inc. play three hours of Metallica hits, and it's damn near perfect to what Metallica sounds like. They get the vibe, they got the look, like everything. Just a bunch of people get. They sell beers there. Well, I know that's not appealing to you, but it's just a bunch of people getting drunk at a Metallica concert for a dollar, pretty much. It's a oh, great I, place. I love tribute bands. Like if they're good, mm. uh, you know, it's almost like seeing a younger version of, like you know, I love Kiss and they're great, but mm. like, you know, they're in their fucking mid sixties now. It's like. Judas Priest, like, yeah. I love Rob Halford, but. When know. I was like 18, 19, 20, around that age and stuff like that, I was only going to tribute bands pretty much because their shows are either free or at five bucks or something to get in. Yeah. I didn't have money for like $50 tickets to go see Avenged Sevenfold at the Forum or whatever, but I got $5 to see like a mega death tribute band at the fucking House of Blues, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I mean, uh, you know, like probably the last big concert I went to was Motley Crue and Alice Cooper. Fuck, that must have been a good show. Uh, it was, well, I really splurged on tickets and I took, uh, uh, we went. Uh, took a lady friend to the thing. Took um, a lady friend uh, to, we sat in the front row. Nice. Like we were front row center. And you could touch Vince Neal. You could touch Alice Cooper. And uh, my friend Nita plays in Alice Cooper. So mm. it was just neat to see her in like, you know, this huge arena and like, you know, she was, got her start in a tribute band called the Iron Maidens. Fuck yeah. So she was the blonde, like well, I guess. Dude, those chicks get down. Yeah. Dude. I mean, she. I've seen them like four times. Those chicks are amazing. So you've seen her then. Yeah. Uh, and now she's an Alice Cooper killing it. And, uh, Shit. That's uh, great. Yeah. And then this, you know, the Molly Crew puts on this wild show. Uh, so that was fun, but uh, you know, tribute bands, you know, they're hungry because they mm. haven't made it yet. 
So it's yeah, and they're freaking really talented too. I mean, like it's in order to pull off those licks and stuff, the amount of practice it takes, very easily transferable skill. You just go right into a band whenever you want, or yeah. you hear that Alice Cooper needs a guitarist. He's like, well, I know a bunch of Alice Cooper songs. Let me go audition. Well, she killed it, like because yeah. uh, she had to audition, obviously, and um, you know, because Alice changes band members a fair amount, mm. so. uh but with this version, they've been around for a couple of years now, and they're tight. Like their drummer's amazing. Are the Iron Iron Maidens still going down? Yeah, that they thing? still do it. I don't think Can they we do just it as plug much. the Iron Maidens for a second. Like oh, Jesus please. Christ! If you guys haven't seen the Iron Maidens, find out who the Iron Maidens are and follow them and check out their next show. Those chicks are amazing. I mean, they're all hot, which doesn't you know uh doesn't hurt <laughs> yeah i mean it's not important that's not really important yeah. but like yeah uh, they're amazing musicians who are exceptionally beautiful yeah i mean uh if you look at nita like she's a mo i mean she could be a model and mm. um but she can play as well as any guy mm. uh, you can find she can play better than most guys to be honest yeah i mean uh she did a video with jason becker who was uh He's got this awful, awful uh, disease where he's in a wheelchair and uh, he used to play guitar for David Lee Roth when he was 18. So he's, he was like a wonder. He was like Van Halen, but like Damn. just this disease ravaged him. Uh, it's like the rock and roll's Stephen Hawking. Yeah. No, he's, he's basically <laughs> that. That's like the perfect, uh, you know, tie-in. And uh, they did a video of uh, her playing one of his songs and it was just like, wow. Not many people can play Jason Becker songs. Mm. Uh, so, but I like shitty metal. Or I shouldn't say shitty metal, but I, I like like uh, the poppier side of metal. So, oh yeah, like yeah. name me some bands. Um, let me see. I mean, my favorite band of all time, other than Kiss, is Rat. Nice. I mean, Rats. I, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I'm getting pumped. No, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, Rat is actually they don't. Uh, they're great. Like yeah. Warren D. Martini can play as you know. He can play with anybody. Hmm. Um, and then Stephen Piercy who I was humbled and honored to have on this podcast. Damn, dude. I, I don't get starstruck often, but like he, he was sitting where you were. I'm like, fuck, that's the guy from Rat. <laughs> like, that's the singer from Rat in my house. Damn. But he was chewing gum the whole time. And so it's like. Well, yeah, because he's the singer of Rat. Yeah. And on I a couch in a house. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, people, when they listen to that episode, they're like, uh, Dude, what's wrong with the sound on that? I'm like, well, he was kind of chewing gum, so I, I didn't really have the heart to tell him to stop. Mm. You know, I was like, Stephen, tell us about the recording of Out in the Cellar. And he's like, <laughs> well, you know, we had to triple track the vocals, and Bobby's snare drum was off, and, <laughs> and uh, D Martini had to go to drop D tuning with Robin. Who would be your, uh, who would be like your, your dream guests as far as like musicians, rock and roll kind of thing. Uh, either Gene Simmons or Paul Stanley. Uh, Fuck. Just because they don't do a lot of podcasts, you know, they don't do a lot of radio shows anymore. Mm. They don't need to. I mean, Kiss. Yeah. You know, you slap their name they on the can marquee. Live off, you can, they can live off the residuals at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, 40 albums and, and all the merchandise. I mean. Uh, Were you around when they took off the makeup? I was. Uh, yeah, what'd you think of it? Well, I got in. That's when I really got into them. Uh, you know, I'm 48, so like I was around for their heyday in the 70s. You know, I was like 10 or whatever. Uh, but I really that time they took off the makeup, 
I was a fan of the guitar player they had in the band at that time, mm. uh, Vinny Vincent, who I have an obsession with uh, because he was kicked out of Kiss three times. Fuck. But he was so good, they kept bringing him back. Why was he kicked out? You know, I think in his mind, he replaced Ace Freely and, and like Kiss in the early 80s was uh, hurting in America. Mm. You know, they just were... They were just really dropping and dropping and dropping in album sales. Yeah, America is just, they switched their minds so quickly. You know, the yeah. climate changes quicker than anything else just because it's just a bunch of people hustling and trying to figure out the new sound. Yeah, I mean, they, well, Kiss never really, uh, you know, like in 79, they put out a disco album. And it's like their hardcore fans were like, what is this? <laughs> and, and, but it got them their biggest hit ever. I was made for loving you. Yeah. Um, and then in 80, they put out like an album that sounded like the cars did it. It was like mm. keyboards and backing vocals, you know, and then. The, Do you ever watch, uh, of course you watch Bill and Ted's. Excellent oh, absolutely. Dude, that ending is one of the greatest when they come back and they got ZZ top beards and they're singing God made rock and roll for you. I'm like, dude, this like this alone right here, this little six minute slip, like I could, I could just live off that. That that would be enough as far as movies is concerned for me. It was amazing. I mean, that's a great song. Mm. I mean, but they reworded it. It's a cover of an Argent song. Mm. So they, you know, typical Gene and Paul, you know, they like <laughs> worked it in so they would get publishing if they changed a couple words. God, then it became a Kiss song. Smart. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, who am I to criticize? You anything like that? Kiss, brilliant marketers. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I wish they'd concentrate a little more on the music, but like, mm. you know, I, I think when you see a band like Kiss, you don't really want to hear a new song. Mm. You want to hear rock and roll all night. You want to hear Detroit Rock City. You don't want to hear, uh, yeah, you know. I just want to get drunk and sing along. Yeah. Stomp my feet. But like I saw uh, this band Bowling for Soup. Oh, okay. Who I love. Yeah. Uh, and they were at the, they don't play out here a lot. I think they're from Austin and uh, they're playing at the Roxy and you talk about a fan base. Everyone's singing the words to their songs. Yeah. And then the singer was like, uh, this is when we do the two new songs. So uh, if you got to take a shit or something, now's the time. <laughs> and I just love that sense of humor that they have. Like, yeah, they know that you're not here for that. It's yeah. Just, yeah we're, we'll get to, uh, you know, got uh, rock and roll on nine in a minute. <laughs> yeah, know, but, they, like, but Kiss is like, they get it. Like they do yeah. very few new songs. And, Last uh, time I was at the Roxy, I think I was seeing Three Eleven. Like they did this special LA show coming back from a tour, and it was like, I mean, the Roxy. You, it's a tight room, very small, and there was probably like three to five hundred people just packed in like sardines to see Three Eleven. And it's my ex-wife's favorite band, so I took her down there. But she's like seven months pregnant. Oh, geez. and we're front row, center stage, and I'm just standing there with like two dudes I just met at the bar, like trying to make sure that the crowd doesn't right. kill my kid, right, <laughs> pretty sure, much. Sure. But she wanted to be in the front, and. I'm pretty good at boxing motherfucker out. So, you know, we had to see that. It was a great show. But they don't have like a mosh pit, do they? But it can get rowdy. It's it really rowdy. You got a lot of drunk people, a lot of stone people, and they're just, you know, they're feeling the tunes and they want to get closer, but they see me and two other big motherfuckers just trying to make this big ass circle so that my ex-wife has some room to dance and they're getting pissed. Reasonably I, so. Why is there a pregnant chick at a concert? Right. I've seen that, man. I mean... Uh, I mean, the, probably the wildest mosh pits I've seen were Motorhead shows. Yeah, because uh, they would their opening bands. Uh, 
you know who were unknown local bands but they were like thrash bands or whatever like they had a pretty uh wild fan base mm. uh so i think wildest the- mosh pits i've seen was it's gotta be Ozfest. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. If you're like, if you buy Ozfest tickets, just buy buy the lawn tickets, okay? You don't, you're not gonna want to sit down for most of Ozfest. Go out there in the lawn, start a mosh pit. I mean, there was people setting trash cans on fire, throwing them into the seats, and it's one of the greatest nights of my life. I went to the one where Marilyn Manson was. uh, I don't know if he was the headliner, but he was relatively high up in the bill. Mm. And uh, I was also at the one where uh, they threw eggs at Iron Maiden fucking because, shit because uh i think uh I, this is what you kind of gets back into what we were talking about comedy and the bullshitters and people who aren't direct mm. uh but bruce dickinson was basically calling the osbournes out on stage like you know they've ruined ozzy's legacy and, you know <sighs> they made him into a buffoon you know with that reality show and then I think Sharon had ordered uh, their sound cut. <laughs> you know? God damn. So people are throwing eggs at the band and like it got real wild. I remember seeing, uh, what was it? I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Ozzy on like Geraldo or some stuff like that. Like does death metal make kids want to kill people and stuff like that? And he's just up there. He's like, I mean, I just write songs. I don't know what everybody's doing. Like. That shit was crazy. They're trying to blame school shooters on metal bands. It was a weird period of time. Yeah, I think that was uh, Ozzy had that song, Suicide Solution. Mm. And then Judas Priest had that uh, court case in the 80s where the two kids killed uh, like a classmate and they blamed it on a Judas Priest song. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I had uh, I saw Judas Priest at Ozfest. That it was, oh, dude, great. those motherfuckers get down. He had like some 11 year old kid come in and play fucking walk. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, oh, dude, probably one of their kids they were trying to get rid of. Mm. But... No, nah, it was just some little Asian kid. Oh, really? About like nine or 10 years old, just came up, started fucking slaying on the guitar, dude. It was, it was fucking beautiful. Because there's a black kid on YouTube, it's like a 10 year old drummer named Avery, and he's like this little kid, but he plays metal songs and he plays them amazing. Yeah. It's like really kind of depressing to see someone 10 years old, like already getting more YouTube hits than me. That's what's kind of hard too about like, uh, you know, when I like go to skate parks and stuff like that, you got all these like 12, 13 year old kids pulling off these crazy tricks and I'm over here just trying to get my balance back. Right. You got to work out somehow. I figure, fuck it. You know, I can't afford a gym right now. Skate park's free. Uh, yeah. Where, uh, like what's the age range at a skate park? Like, uh, probably somewhere between like 14 and 22. And are these, oh uh, like, the younger kids today, do they know who Tony Hawk is? Probably not. That's crazy. That's so crazy. Like, I grew up in, like, the Christian Hosoi and, like, yeah. you know, the Dogtown guys. Yeah, that whole area with, uh, um, you know, the Pirellis and stuff. Like that. Yeah, and uh, who, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys. Uh, I was really more into following surfers at that time, even mm-hmm. though I don't surf. Uh, you know, but it's crazy that... Like young kids don't know who Tony Hawk is. Like yeah. who's like the hot new who's the new Tony Hawk? I don't even know. I don't keep up with skate. I only knew it from like the Tony Hawk video games right. I used to play as a kid. And then I just started skating. I'm not really like a big skateboard fan. I just I like playing. Right, right. Need to work out somehow. But yeah, it's kind of crazy the kids don't even know who Tony Hawk would be at this point. I'm pretty sure they would. I mean, Tony Hawk is like Everybody knows who Tony Hawk is. I just, I, I don't know. I don't really talk to kids when 
Like I kind of make it generally a rule not to talk to kids. It never ends well. Yeah. Like, first of all, I'd probably try to impart some wisdom and then, you know, who the fuck am I to be telling this kid what to do? I ain't his parents. Like I just fucking avoid them. Well, I like to impart wisdom uh, to younger comics, mm. but then if they're a girl, everyone thinks I'm trying to fuck them, right. uh, which I'm not. I mean, you know, uh, just sometimes it happens, but yeah. like, you know, who am I to pass on? Something? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, that's all I date are comics just cause that's all I'm around. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I don't really meet someone who has a nine to five job at the comedy store at one in the morning. Yeah. I mean, like, especially, you know, doing comedy and stuff like that, the only people that you end up talking to are like comics, drug addicts and strippers. One in the, they're all three in the same. Yeah. It's like the only, the only people that are out at night are like, you know, they, they are sleeping during the day and that's your only thing to pick from. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm I'd probably never going to meet a, you know, a lawyer, you know, mm. hanging out in the, back patio at the comedy store and indulging in the hippie lattice right so Dude, i was I, I had this this lawyer chick that i was banging about six months ago or something like that and uh those chicks you would not believe how like great they are as like a sort of fuck buddies is concerned because they don't have any time to fuck around they're like i got two maybe three hours available in the afternoon they just want a guy like me that doesn't really have anything going on to come over yeah do our thing and then get the fuck out of my house and i'm like yeah, thank you. I had this one girl try to buy me a Mercedes because it was like, I, I it was like, I, I, I freaked the fuck out because I was like, dude, we're doing this and then this, right? But now she's trying to fucking buy me a car. I've never had anybody offer to spend like 30 grand on me. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? No, like, I, I don't, you know what I mean? It just kind of threw off my vibe because like, what does this chick expect that I'm going to be doing for her to earn this this car, it eating was like her a weird, pussy. I'm down with that, but it's now it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> like, you better eat it. I don't know if I could eat that pussy enough to make up for thirty thousand dollars, dude. Jesus, if I should have probably took the fucking car, but I just I don't know. I don't like I don't I don't like owing people something. Yeah, and the well, especially in comedy, you know, mm. no one does anything to you for nothing. So, mm. like, I'm very cautious as to who I ask for favors. Right. But, That's why I don't even ask for favors. I'm like, if somebody sees me at a mic or a show or something, they like my thing, they'll come and talk to me afterwards. If not, you know, I mean, I might introduce myself to people, you know, smoke circle or something, but I'm not. There's too many pushy comics, you know, like her out there. Oh, hey, what's your name? You're a producer? I don't want to be the 50th guy that they talk to with that. I'd rather have them come up to me and say, hey, nice show. I was like, oh, great. You know, my name's Johnny Stewart. Catch me on Facebook or whatever. And, you know, I get a lot of shows that way just by not fucking pushing. Yeah, it's Johnny Stewart, not Tommy Stewart. Yeah, Johnny Stewart, everybody. I don't know why I had so much trouble with your name. Mm. Uh but now it's a very generic name. No, I mean you know it's like a porn star named Johnny Dong, Johnny Stewart, yeah. Stewart Dong. Uh, now when I release this episode tomorrow, I'm gonna put out the usual blast on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and I can't uh, 
add you on Twitter because you've been banned from Twitter. Yeah. Why? Uh, how do you? I mean, I've said some pretty bizarre things on Twitter. No, I've been blocked by two people. Okay. Uh, Bill Cosby and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Jesus Christ. What a group. Uh, why? You hear you, that Stone Cold Steve Austin story in a minute. But. Well, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's not really much of a story. It's like uh, you know, I was a co-host on Roddy Piper's podcast. Fucking a. And uh, you know, they had a beef about. Uh, right before I came on uh, to do that, uh, a couple episodes previous, uh, Will Sasso, who's an amazing comic, a gr- really funny comedy actor, did an impression of Stone Cold. It was harmless. Mm. And then uh, Stone Cold basically was like, fuck this. Mm. It's Just him. blocked both of you. Uh, yeah. So, and, But I had nothing to do with that show. Like, it was <laughs> like I, I was the new guy. Right. So when was because uh, I got banned on Twitter? When was that? Uh, remember that Rachel Do- Dozo chick or yeah, yeah, the black girl who said she yeah. was white. No, no the white was, girl that said she, she was, was black. black. Yeah, I remember we had to have that transracial conversation for like a month and a half. It was all anybody wanted to talk about. So I got it in my head that I was a black man trapped in a very attractive white man's body. So then I take to Twitter and I was like, oh, cool. We got a white girl in charge of the NAACP now. Guess that means it stands for niggas ain't always colored people. Oh, watch out. (laughs) Yeah. And then, yeah, two weeks later, banned. They said uh, I got banned for hate speech. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it's wordplay at best. And by the way, Johnny uh, said the GGA ending. Uh, just uh, oh yeah, I say that sometimes. That's it's all good. There, <laughs> there have been four people on this podcast who said the ER ending of that word, mm. and I don't edit, so uh, you know. Oh, that's fine. No, it's all good. Yeah. The, the one, one, only one was a white guy. And I won't say who he was because he's a friend, but he's like, hey, man, you're going to edit that out, right? I'm like, no. (laughs) Give me some. Let's do it in the house. Uh, Because I have a couple bits where I say that on stage, but it's not even like a regular part of my vernacular. You know what I mean? Like I had, uh, you know, it's just when I say nigga on stage, it's never the punchline. It's never about a white guy saying a bad word. It's, you know, the appropriate word for that joke, in my opinion. And I don't really like people telling me that I can't say bad words because I'm 18 now. I'm, I'm grown. Maybe you should be the house racist. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There if might you be need me opening. to sub in for you, let me know. <laughs> get ready. I'm looking, for, I'm looking for any kind of, you know, any kind of stage time I can get at this point. Well, uh, if I ever, uh, uh, I would hope if I ever stopped doing the house uh, racist or house heckler, or house hater, they would just retire mm. the table. Oh, um, dude, I, I could be the house heckler. Oh, I have no sure. doubt. It's oh, tough, God. though, dude. I will say this. I've had, uh, I think about at one point, I was just getting uh, not burnt out on doing it, but like I was running out of steam because mm. it is a tough part mm. to do. It's like you have to be in the moment. You have to be, you know, uh, you have to appear to be racist, homophobic, funny. Yeah. Right then. Uh, ask any of the Inland Empire comedians that, that you know, like, yeah, I am very good listener and very good at the moment. But yeah, like it's like it's like when Jeff Ross throws me a line. Hey, Earl, what you think about Donald Trump or, or whatever? Uh, you don't have five minutes to go get come back to me in five. I'll have something you got to right then. Mm. You don't know what Jeff's going to ask you or Moses will say, hey, Earl, it's Black History Month. What do you think about that? Like, it's yada, like, yada, yada. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> um, so, but uh, it's 
timing is uh but the stress of doing it is like you know it got so bad at one point i thought of taking edibles mm-hmm. just to take the edge off and i've never done anything so mm-hmm. uh and then I got scared I would like it. If you if you ever, you know, considered smoking some weed or anything like that, let me know. I, I would uh I would be a very, very good facilitator for that. Well, I don't think I would ever smoke it. I mm. because I uh I don't mind the smell of marijuana smoke, mm. but I don't think I'd ever inhale it correctly. But I yeah. think an edible like when I walk my dog and I split her with my ex, mm-hmm. uh there's a weed shop I walk by every day called you know, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say the name of it. Uh, they're not paying. No, me. yeah, promote them. <laughs> I will say this: if you do in, indulge in the marijuana, edibles, whatever, I highly recommend Speed Weed. Mm. Uh, they are a uh, sponsor of uh, Roast Battle at <laughs> Speed Weed. Uh, Gino's the best. He's a huge MMA fan. That's uh, a little uh, plug for them. Mm. I only have one sponsor in this show. Uh, Speedweed. If, if you notice, no, they are not. <laughs> I, they are not. But I just love them so much. Uh, uh, Mike Knuckles by Stephen Piercy, the singer. Is that from what Rat. these things are? Uh, that the, is awesome. Yeah, you. Uh, it's a microphone holders. Um, when I do my stand-up special, I will be using these. I was kind of freaked out because I'm in the corner and you got like brass knuckles and stuff, and I'm like, "What is this dude doing right now?" But no, that's just—it's literally just a part of your microphone. That's you, awesome. You can uh, hold them upside down for uh, <laughs> you know if your arms getting tired from holding them the other way. And uh, to Stephen Piercy, the singer from Rat, that's you know he's got a lot of side businesses. Uh, you know, I mean, Rat still tours, but uh, you know, he's like Motorhead in the sense that Motorhead probably makes more money on T-shirt sales than mm-hmm. they do album sales. Oh yeah, that T-shirts um, are dope. Yeah, oh, they're that logo, the skull, and, and it. several it's all you need. Uh, variations they use on it. Raiders schedule. jerseys are going to be long here after the Raiders are dead. Yeah, oh, absolutely, hundred <laughs> like um, percent. It's just that iconic pirate in the helmet. So, uh, mm. uh, what? How do I promote you? Uh, like, uh, well, I'm on Facebook right just now. Just Johnny Stewart. Yeah, Johnny Stewart. Uh, I J-O-H-N-N-Y. Yeah, J-O-H-N-N-Y dot S-T-E-W-A-R-T dot 73. What is that, your AOL? No, that's my Facebook oh, okay. page number. Oh, okay. Well, if you, go, 16. <laughs> if you go on my uh, Facebook, if you can't remember that, because I know some of my fans, their uh, typing skills aren't the best. Uh, Johnny's, uh, just look them up under uh, my friends. Yeah. And, uh, and just check me out on Facebook because I promote all my shows there. I got a, I have a YouTube series that I just wrote a, uh, about six episodes. Where and what's that about? It's like, you know, all those comic book TV shows like The Flash and Green yeah. Arrow. It's a spoof on that, but it's just me and my jean vests just getting high and running around town with a paintball gun shooting people who I think are bad guys like it's it, it's called the splash it's just some stupid little series that i'm trying to do because you gotta build your following and i see the people on youtube that's a great way to get an audience going oh yeah i mean it's all about uh, i've had friends sign with major management companies because uh they just put out constant mm-hmm. content on youtube and uh you know the first girl who uh beat me in roast battle whitney rice her mm-hmm. uh she cranked out she cranks out three to four videos a week Right. And they're all perfectly edited. All, I mean, 
Because my brother went to school for film editing and video editing and stuff, and he has a gaming channel too. God damn it, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, I feel so bad that I can't plug. But it's, his name's Jacob Stewart. Find him on Facebook. He has a gaming channel on YouTube. It's pretty cool. Jacob but, uh, Stewart, check yeah. it out. Uh, you got any shows coming up? You want people to? Uh, I got Roast Battle against Kellyanne Sadler, April eighteenth at the Comedy Store. So definitely come out for that. And that's a big night because yeah. uh, April eighteenth, uh, I was a bit of a matchmaker that night, Ooh. and uh, I'm very excited about a, another battle happening that night. Uh, Nicole Buchanan, okay, who is awesome, is taking on the very dangerous first time roast battler, the great. Jeff Dennis. Oh, dang. Uh, Jeff is, uh, he is an assassin. Definitely come out April 18th, guys, and check that out. It's going to be great. That's all good. If you need to answer it, go ahead. Oh, no, that's my timer for the uh, parking. Oh, shit. So, uh, no, I got another 10 minutes. Um, well, dude, it was an honor to have you on. Like, it was an honor being here. Thank you for inviting me to your place. This is it, this is crazy. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I've been a fan of yours since the first time I saw you at Roast Battle. I, I just, uh, if you haven't been to Roast Battle, check out one of Johnny's Roast Battles because yeah. he's April just... 18th against Kellyanne Sadler. Yeah, yeah please down, do. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll be there, but, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. Like, like to leave a little mystery. Maybe I can sit in your seat if you're not there. It's possible. <laughs> uh, you will be the only person I, I mean, it's, uh, if I ever leave the show, uh, you will be the only person that will be allowed to sit there if I have anything to do about it. Damn, dude. Uh, I'm touched. Because there's a lot of people who uh, will. This, you know, it's it's a cold business, Hollywood. And mm. if I ever were to leave, there'd be Moses would get forty emails. Hey, dude, can I do the house hater? Can I do the house racist? Mm. And uh, you know, me and Moses have a handshake agreement. But who knows? It's a wacky mm. business, Hollywood. I'd love to just sit next to you at that table at some point if I ever come down for less than a show. Well, I tell you what, if I ever do it, I will have. <laughs> uh, and if you want to chime in, dude, but I will warn you, dude. Uh. It's. I've had a lot of funny people sit next to me and they froze. I can handle myself. <laughs> no, I'm, I, but that's what they said. Like, I, I had A-level comics. They said, let me, hey, can I sit with you? It's, that seems like fun. And tell you, it's a different energy on that corner. No, I know. But, uh, no. you know, I like to give people their shots. I gave Kenny Lyon a shot, and that didn't really work out. But, right. uh, you know. Uh, we'll and, see what happens then. I mean, at one point, we had four people at the haters table, but that was too much. Yeah. Um, so, guys, become fans of Johnny Stewart on Facebook, uh, Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Uh, we got another uh, couple uh, episodes coming next week. Stephen Piercing from Rat will be back for more. And, uh, you know, working on a couple wrestlers, but those guys are hard to, it's hard to get these guys to come to me, but uh, I do my best. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about more about revenge on other episodes. Just remember the world works in mysterious ways. And you backstabbers out there. I'm one of the most well-liked guys in L.A. comedy. So you should be careful who you burn. Because one day, shows that you're on, they don't last forever. And then you're going to have to make it up at the comedy store as a comic. going to have to walk those hallways. And you might have some people not like you. See, there's a thing out there called a telephone. And what you do is you dial 10 numbers and usually you know the other person on the line and you just start talking about life and shit. All kinds of things can be brought up. Comedy, 
if a person's a good guy or girl or not, all kinds of things. So just remember that. You play with fire, you could get burned. And if you want to burn, you're talking to the devil right now. 